Isaiah 65 this morning. Isaiah 65, please, if you turn there. Uh, grab a Bible, turn there, if you would, please. Uh, so we're in uh, passages, obviously, that deal largely with things that are future. Uh, we've seen references, of course, to the tribulation in recent chapters. Uh, we see references to the return of Christ in recent chapters. Uh, we see references to the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Um, and we'll see uh, uh, this again this morning. Uh, and then, Lord willing, uh, tonight, well, I should say this afternoon at 2, um, we'll be in the Psalms and we'll see uh, very clear allusions to Christ ruling in his millennial kingdom in the Psalms as well. So keep that in mind. Uh, keep these things in mind throughout the day, and we'll, we'll refer back to some of these things uh, this afternoon as well. Um, you'll see here as this chapter opens that there's um, allusions, Brother Ray, to Gentile people coming to the Lord, despite the fact that we are not his chosen people, uh, in the sense that we're not the people he chose to form into the nation of Israel through which he would bring the Messiah. Uh, that, that certainly is true. Um, but we'll see here that uh, Isaiah does seem to prophesy that uh, Gentile people will come to the Lord despite that. Uh, we'll also see him prophesying millennial blessings to a re repentant remnant. Uh, it seems to be of Jewish people, but might broadly allude to all people. Gary will see allusions also to judgment of those who do not repent. Of course, that would be either an allusion to the tribulation period or, or perhaps to the great white throne judgment. Uh, I couldn't say for sure, but uh, there's certain things that we will be able to say for sure uh, here this morning. So uh, Revelation 65, it's the second to last chapter. We're almost done. And um, again, remember um, uh, third Sunday in June, which is Father's Day, right? We uh, plan to begin looking at um, Revelation. Gary, it just fits, uh, given the things that Isaiah is prophesying here, given the, the vision of John and things that he prophesies in, in Revelation, uh, these things fit together very well. So uh, hopefully that, that'll be a blessing. Uh, pray for me uh, as I uh, prepare for that new study. Uh, verse 1, verse 1, I believe the Lord is responding to some of the prayer that we see in a previous chapter. Um, the Lord is speaking here, Isaiah 65, verse 1. He says, I... Uh, I, the Lord, am sought of them that ask not for me. Gentiles didn't seek me. Uh, they didn't even know about me. Well, not beyond that, which general revelation would reveal. He says, I am found of them uh, that sought me not. Uh, I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation uh, that was not called by my name. Uh, and so here, a prophecy that Gentiles despite the fact that they're not the nation, they're not the chosen people that God used to form a chosen nation uh, through which the Messiah would come, Gentiles, in fact, would uh, recognize the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and come to him. You don't have to turn there, but you can make a note that Paul referenced this verse in uh, Romans 10 and, and verse 20. He says there, but Isaiah is very bold. Isaiah says, who's that? Isaiah, right? So that would be the Greek form of Isaiah brought, uh, transliterated into English. You know that, of course. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was manifest unto them that asked not 
uh, after me. So uh, Paul doesn't quote the verse exactly as it appears um, here in our passage this morning, but uh, he makes reference to it. Uh, there's a technical term, targum, uh, which is a reference to a verse without quoting it literally. Uh, this, this would be that. Um, sometimes Zach people will view a targum as sort of an inspired uh, commentary uh, on an Old Testament verse. And I think given that these words are inspired, that, that makes good sense to me. Uh, Peter uh, speaks of the same idea, of course, doesn't reference this verse, but in 1 Peter 2 and verse 10, you can make a note of that verse. Uh, he says, uh, speaking of Gentiles, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, uh, which had, had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so Brother A is, is clear that Isaiah prophesies, uh, he's writing the Lord's words, he, he is in fact prophesying, not the first time in the book of Isaiah, uh, prophesying again that Gentiles would come uh, to the Lord, that they would know the Messiah. Uh, Paul makes it clear in Romans, Peter makes it clear in, in 1 Peter that sure, sure enough this, this is a prophecy that Gentiles will come to the Lord. Uh, has that prophecy been fulfilled? Yes, it has. <laughs> yes, it has. Uh, we don't need all Gentiles to come to the Lord for, for that prophecy to be fulfilled, but uh, almost all of us in the room today are ethnically Gentiles, and sure enough, we, uh, we have come to the Lord. Um, Jewish people have rejected the Messiah, and uh, of course, Brother Ray, we know that they will, many will come to him in the tribulation, um, we know that, um, unfortunately, like a lot of churches, a lot of Jewish synagogues are uh, declining now also. In fact, you've probably seen that the synagogue right here on Main Street uh, is empty and for sale now. It's empty and for sale. Uh, pray something good will go in there. They've combined with two other synagogues uh, in the area. There are consequences for rejecting the Messiah, certainly. Uh, we praise God that in the tribulation, uh, many, many Jewish people, together with Gentiles, uh, it would seem, will come uh, to the Lord. Um, verse 2 refers to Jewish people again uh, and to God's grace toward them despite their rebellion. And you'll see here, um, well, he, he makes the statement regarding grace uh, despite uh, their rebellion, and then he'll speak to some specific sins. And this kind of a neat parallel to uh, the first half of 1 Corinthians 10 uh, that we'll see in the next hour. Uh, there, Paul is going to be uh, reminding the church members at Corinth, that, hey, you remember back in the Old Testament, uh, God's people knew many blessings, just blessing after blessing after blessing, but they weren't careful to... Um, uh, they weren't careful to obey the Lord and fell into great sin. They became complacent in the face of blessings. Uh, and so there's something like that here in this passage also. Gary, I'm amazed at how, you know, you could pick two random chapters in the Bible and find, uh, pretty much always find some uh, overlapping themes. Why would that be? Well, they're all God's words, right? They have the same source. Uh, they have the same uh, ultimate source. They're the word of God forever settled uh, in heaven. See verse 2. He says, I have spread out my hands uh, all the day unto a rebellious people. So uh, picture someone spreading out their hands. It's a picture of like invitation like this, right? 
Uh, this, this is the idea. I've spread out my hands um, all the day. Uh, in Proverbs 1, uh, the Lord says, because I've called and ye refused, I've stretched out my hands and, and no man regarded. Uh, there's a number of places in scripture where Lord speaks of extending an invitation to his people, uh, but those people uh, really rejected the invitation and chose instead to rebel uh, against him. I have spread out my hand, hands all the day uh, unto a rebellious people, uh, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. Um, this, um, this passage is also referenced in, in Romans 10. Uh, we won't go back there this morning. Now, Zach, it's interesting, right? In, in verse 1, you have this very clear prophecy that God would, would uh, that, that the Gentile people, non-Jewish people, uh, would ultimately come to the Lord, while at the same time, those who he's chosen and, and extended his hands to have rejected him, uh, have rebelled against him. Does that mean that the Lord ha has permanently set aside Jewish people or the nation of Israel? Uh, no, clearly not. We see, we'll see that in our study through Revelation. Uh, does that mean that church, uh, churches like ours have replaced Israel uh, in God's plan? No, it doesn't. That would be replacement theology. We believe that's blatantly, plainly unbiblical. Uh, you do see that, by the way, in some of the commentators, Brother Ray, that, that we might read uh, Matthew Henry seems to be a replacement theologian, or at least uh, he'll often refer to, um, well, he'll, he'll refer to the Old Testament uh, believers as the church and kind of kind of confuse them. Uh, so some of, our, some of our commentators are either straight up replacement theologians, Brother Ray, or they're just using language that kind of clouds the fact that Israel uh, and New Testament churches are not the same. Uh, God has temporarily laid aside Israel. That much is true, but certainly in the, in the tribulation, he will reach his people. Uh, in the millennium, he will, uh, he will fulfill his promises to his people, uh, the Jewish people, and, and they will be greatly blessed together with Gentiles like us. And so, uh, yes, we see the Lord extending an invitation and, and being received by Gentiles. Well, at the same time, being rejected by the people that he first extended his hand to, we understand this. We understand this. We're grateful for this, most of us being, being Gentiles. He said, I spread out my hand all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way uh, that was not good after their own thoughts. And then he, uh, he begins to record some of their sin. Verse 3 refers to their idolatry. He says, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face. Uh, that sacrificeth in gardens uh, and burneth incense upon altars of, of brick. And so uh, pretty plainly, this is a reference to their idolatry. The Lord says their idolatry provoked him to anger continually to his face. We make of that, Zach, to his face. Was he literally present as they were uh, performing their idolatry? Yeah, like a profound disrespect, like, like spitting in someone's face could be the idea. Now, that said, we understand God is present, fully present everywhere all the time. And so it could be um, understood quite literally uh, in his very presence because he is present everywhere all the time. Uh, we know he was present in a special way at the temple 
Uh, and we know that there was some false worship that was being mixed in with the worship that God had prescribed at the temple. So that might point to in his literal presence also, or Zach, as you said, it might have more of a poetic idea, like right in my face, you're spitting in my face uh, with, with this terrible um, idolatry. We've said many times recently, um, few of us probably are tempted to actual literal worship of false gods, but we certainly are tempted to make idols of ourselves, uh, our time, uh, to make idols of, of certain pursuits, hobbies, and so forth. Lord, help us to stand guard against those things. Uh, verse 4 uh, is reference to the sin of, of necromancy, uh, a desire to reach out to and have contact with the dead. He says, which remain among the graves. So part of, part of their rebellion, some of them uh, uh, chose to remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, the gravestones, uh, which uh, eat swine's flesh, which would be a violation of the law, uh, and broth of abominable things in, in their vessels, drinking things, eating and drinking things that would be contrary to the law. Uh, aren't you glad that the Old Testament food laws are, are done away with, Brother Gary? Uh, I, I mean, we don't have to worry about that. Pray, praise God for that. See that very plainly um, in the New Testament. Uh, but uh, clearly a reference to their necromancy in the first half of verse 4, remaining among the graves and uh, lodging uh, in the monuments. Um, how much necromancy is, is there today? Is, is that something that we see today? Uh, it, it actually is. There, there's a great deal of interest and involvement in contacting uh, the deceased. And of course, devil is very happy to play into that. Um, I was in a bookstore the other day. I was a little bit surprised. Maybe I shouldn't have been surprised to see a Ouija board. Uh, they're still around. And they're not cheap. Evidently, brother, there's an interest in them that makes them costly. Um, they're they're still around, and you know, maybe maybe you played with a Ouija board as a young person, and maybe you were the one that moved the thing around. But uh, maybe maybe you experienced a time when no one moved it around. Well, that's not your deceased relative. That that clearly would be demonic. We understand that. Um, how else might people dabble in necromancy today? Um, do any, anybody have any thoughts on that? How else do people do that? Ray? Uh, tarot, card tarot card reading can be, yes, it can be used that way. Uh, various kinds of, of fortune telling uh, often involves uh, seeking uh, contact with the deceased to know something. Uh, all this is, is overtly, plainly, uh, called sin in scripture. We're, we're commanded to refrain from these things. Uh, we know that probably the vast majority of what people encounter today is, is fake, it's phony, uh, but when it's not, it's real, and it's, it's really, truly demonic. And so uh, people wonder sometimes, how, how could someone know certain things? Well, it's, it's demonic, and uh, this is necromancy that people were tempted uh, into all the way back in Isaiah's day, and People are still tempted. You know, we're, we're tempted by the same things, uh, all of these many things later. Uh, certainly, as we see in verse 5, uh, we're tempted to pride and hypocrisy as well. Uh, verse 5, uh, referring to the people who've rebelled, which say, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. There, there's that phrase that you hear so often, I am holier uh, than thou. 
that sounds pretty prideful. Don't, don't come near me because I, I'm holier than you uh, and I don't want your sinfulness, the ick that's on you because of your sin uh, to pollute me. I, I am so very holy. Uh, he says, these are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all, all the day, uh, something that's unpleasant or, or distasteful. Uh, pride uh, and hypocrisy. Uh, that was a form of rebellion against the Lord in Isaiah's day. It still is. Brother Ray, giving ourselves over to prideful thinking, uh, prideful speaking, pride, prideful doing. Uh, certainly, we struggle with temptation to many forms of pride today. That was the case in Isaiah's day as well. Uh, don't lose sight of the fact that the Lord has labeled each of these things as what? The R word, rebellion uh, against him, choosing to pursue these things, choosing to... Uh, remain uh, in, in these things. The Lord has called this uh, rebellion. People of Judah suffered greatly for not repenting of these specific sins, forsaking them, uh, leaving them behind. Uh, verse 6 is interesting. Verse 6 and 7. Lord basically says to them, hey, um, this people, many of them at least, have rebelled against me by choosing to pursue uh, and to continue in these sins. He says, I need you to know something. I need you to know that I have a complete record uh, of all the sins of all the individuals. None of this has escaped me. Uh, I'm not going to forget. I, I have recorded uh, these sins. Verse 6 says, behold, uh, it is written before me. Now, that's interesting. We've said in the past that um, almost always when you see the phrase, it is written, it'd be a reference. Well, it'd be in the New Testament, first of all. Uh, as a reference to the Old Testament. I think, I believe it's always the case when you see that in the New Testament, you can see that it is a reference to Old Testament scripture. Here we're in the Old Testament and the phrase is a little different. So it's not used that way here in this verse. He says, uh, the Lord is speaking through Isaiah. He says, behold, uh, it is written before me. Uh, I have... Uh, a record of your rebellious sins. The Lord says, I will not keep silence, but will recompense. I will repay you, rebellious nation, for your sin, uh, even recompense into their bosom. In verse 7, your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains, a reference to their idolatry, uh, and blasphemed me upon the hills, a reference to their idolatry in those high places. Therefore will I measure their former work into their bosom. I will repay them. Uh, I will judge them. There will be consequences uh, for their sin. Now, once you consider again, just for a moment, this phrase, it is written uh, before me. Uh, one commentator says this, it's, it's worth hearing. He says, the allusion here is to the custom of having the decrees of kings recorded in a volume or on a table and kept in the presence of the king uh, so, that he, he might, uh, so that they might be seen uh, and not forgotten by the king. An allusion to this custom of opening the books containing a record uh, of this kind on trials occurs in Daniel 7. The judgment was set and the books were open. Uh, also, Revelation 20, we'll see that. I saw the dead, great and small, stand before God, and, and the books were opened. Uh, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things were written in the books uh, according to their works. And so 
uh, this, um, we see this literally in Revelation. We see uh, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar in, in Daniel 7, uh, there, there literally was a, a book of, of laws and transgressions that, that he had uh, hit the king before him. So that does seem to be the illusion here as well. Uh, the Lord is employing this custom of kings that would have been familiar to people uh, in Isaiah's day, uh, using something that would have been familiar uh, to the people to make a point. Uh, Zach, we think of um, Paul using some of the poets, uh, some of the Gentile poets also to make a point, right? Uh, they, it was Gentile poetry, not inspired poetry, but it was familiar to people. And so he could employ that as an illustration to help people understand certain things. And so, uh, yeah, this, this is the idea here. The Lord has a record of sin um, and, and short of people repenting and placing their faith in, in the Messiah to come, they, they sure enough would suffer uh, great consequences for that. They might suffer practical consequences along the way uh, uh, in any event. And of course they did in the uh, captivity. Uh, verse eight uses another illustration and it's one that we'll also find in the New Testament, uh, a vineyard, uh, grapes and wine. Let's read the verse. Uh, verse 8, thus saith the Lord, uh, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one saith, destroy it not, uh, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servants' sake, uh, that I may not destroy them all. Uh, and so the picture here is uh, maybe of uh, someone who suggests that a certain vineyard and its grapes are, are not good, uh, not useful, not profitable. Maybe they don't taste good. Uh, and therefore, they're, they're not useful, they're, they're not profitable. And someone says, you know, we ought to just plow under this whole vineyard because these grapes are, are no good. Uh, they're, they're not useful to us. But someone else steps in and says, well, hold on. Uh, don't destroy the whole thing because I think some of them actually are useful. Zach, do you see an illustration of, of an idea here? Uh, the idea that, hey, the Lord will have a remnant. Uh, some people, sure enough, will be destroyed because of their sin, separated from the Lord, suffer the loss of well-being. That, that's the, the idea of biblical destruction. Uh, but the Lord will have a remnant. Uh, he'll have a, a remnant that will come out of the captivity in Babylon. Uh, he has a remnant today. Brother Ray, there'll be a remnant saved out of the tribulation. Uh, the Lord always has a remnant. And it tends to be small, right? Uh, it, it tends to be small. Um, there was a man who came here uh, this week to inspect the furnace. That's something we have to do by law, have to have furnace inspection uh, for the insurance company also. And he said, Pastor, um, I need to tell you something, and I also want to thank you for this. He said, uh, this is Gay Pride Month, June, right? And he said, the vast majority of churches, well, it's coming up, I mean to say, it's, it's coming up in June. It's almost June. He says, the vast majority of churches that I'm visiting somewhere, either outside or inside or both, they're displaying gay pride flags on their church property or inside their churches. He said, well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for being a rare church that's not doing that. Uh, I said to him, you, yeah, amen. I said to him, listen, we understand that God loves all people. All people are sinners, and he loves, and I said, anyone is welcome through our doors. 
but we have to love people enough to be to not endorse their sin, uh, to not lead them in any way to believe that their sin is acceptable to the Lord, because it's not. Uh, and so, sure, we're, we're not going to fly a flag that would give approval or imply approval of sin. Doesn't mean we don't love those people. God does, uh, and we'll choose to love them as well if they'll come, but we're not going to do anything that would give approval uh, to their sin. He said, it's kind of like you're, you're a remnant. And I said, well, praise God. God. God has a remnant, a faithful remnant. Uh, he did in Isaiah's day, and Isaiah is picturing this idea very poetically uh, here in verse 8. The Lord would not plow under the whole vineyard. He would, he would preserve uh, a remnant from it. Now, Zach, you, you can think of places, we won't go there, but places in the New Testament where uh, Jewish people are referred to as a vineyard, and uh, we, we could remember that, that that is prophesied here, that there, there would be a remnant later on. And um, Brother Ray, are there, are there saved Jewish people in our church? Amen, Amen. There, are. there are. There actually are saved Jewish people uh, in our church. Remember to pray for Maryland when we think about thoughts like that. Uh, let's continue here. Uh, so in verses 9 and down through the end, basically, there's going to be this uh, sort of mixing of, you'll see, uh, millennial blessings being alluded to for uh, a saved, repentant remnant, uh, pe people who put off sin and put on uh, faith in the Lord, uh, blessings uh, prophesied uh, to them, uh, a, a repentant remnant, together with, so you'll see sort of interspersed throughout here, uh, a prophecy of the Lord dealing with those who, who refuse uh, to repent. So there's this kind of back and forth juxtaposition, one versus the other, uh, and, and there's contrast here that, that helps to understand. Uh, sure enough, there's, there's great reward in store for those that repent. Uh, and in, in, in the face of that, the judgment and consequence of sin becomes very clear. They're, they're gonna miss out on that, not only miss out on blessings, but suffer greatly uh, for their sin. Uh, look at verse nine. Um, I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob, that's a reference to, to Israel, uh, and out of Judah, uh, and uh, inheritor of my mountains, and mine elect shall inherit it, uh, and my servants shall uh, dwell there. So sure enough, the Lord will have a remnant in the millennium, uh, and, and he will restore them to the land that he promised to them. Uh, that's going to happen. We'll, we'll see that. Uh, we'll see that. Um, verse 10 is a millennial promise to restore peace uh, to the land. Lord is sure enough going to fulfill his land promise, uh, and he, he promises peace to those that will come into the land. Uh, you'll see here references to a place in the east of the promised land, uh, or west, and, the, and then in the east. So the idea here is, Lord, when, when he inaugurates his millennial reign, uh, we, of course, know his enemies will put, be put down at the end of the tribulation at Armageddon, uh, and then he will maintain peace from west to east uh, throughout the land that, that he's alluding to in verse 9. So verse 10, and um, Sharon, be the west, um, probably the region of Tel Aviv, modern Tel Aviv, uh, shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Achor, which will be to the east, uh, a place for herds to lie down in. 
uh, for my people that have sought me. So I think it's a picture of peace. Uh, Brother Ray, flocks will be peacefully kept there. Uh, they'll not be at risk. They'll not be at danger. Uh, we do know that uh, there's other places where um, the Lord prophesies through the prophets uh, uh, a restoration of the animal kingdom, restoration of peace uh, amongst the animals who are at odds with each other now. Uh, we saw a, a thing last night, video last night about um, orca whales attacking uh, sailboats off the coast of Spain. Did you see that? And they actually have sunk, worked together to sink sailboats uh, off the coast of Spain uh, in, in the Strait of Gibraltar, right? Did you see that? Um, now, the animal kingdom is at odds with us right, right now. That'll not be the case. That'll not be the case in the millennium. Uh, praise God for that. Um, so blessings, the, the land and a restoration of peace, verses 9 and 10, uh, for a repentant remnant. Now, Zach, if you're, in, if you're a, a Jew that was carried off to the captivity in, in Babylon and you're receiving this, you're, you're thinking, hey, sure enough, we need to repent. The Lord has made it clear. Uh, there's so many blessings in store for those who repent. Uh, and then verse 11 and 12, oh yeah, there's judgment in store for, for those who don't. This would be instructive and encouraging uh, to the people in the captivity, but also for us as well. Uh, verse 11, but ye are they that forsake the Lord. Uh, yeah, people in the captivity were those who had forsaken the Lord. Uh, that forget my holy mountain, that prepare a table uh, for that troop. That troop is interesting. It, uh, evidently is a reference to the idolaters uh, and that furnish the drink offering unto that number. So uh, involvement in idolatry, promoting and enabling idolatry is probably uh, the idea here. Next verse, judgment coming for idolaters. Verse 12, therefore will I number you to the sword and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear, but did evil. Here's before mine eyes again, that, that idea again. Uh, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Uh, we're, we're called to do that which pleases the Lord, that which delights him, uh, not necessarily ourselves. By the way, have, have you noticed, and, and I'm sure you, you recognize this already, you know, people are seeking satisfaction, contentment, pleasure, Brother Ray, but living for that is always a dead end, right? Because if you live for yourself, your own pleasure, your own contentment, your own whatever, li living for yourself rather than living to please the Lord, living to please yourself rather than living to please the Lord, it's a dead end. But if you live to please the Lord, uh, you ultimately find contentment and pleasure in that. That's the only way. Uh, I think we, we understand that, but it's, um, someone might say, that's a little bit ironic. If I put myself aside uh, and just choose to live for the Lord, then I find peace, pleasure, contentment. Well, praise God, that, that, that's a great truth. Uh, so verse 9 and 10, blessings for those who repent. Uh, verse 11 and 12, judgment consequences for those who would not. This is a major theme all the way through scripture. We understand that. Um, physical and spiritual blessings now. So we return, the pendulum kind of swings back to blessings for the repentant now in verse 13. Uh, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, 
Uh, interesting there, Zach, it would be, what would the Hebrew be there? Uh, Lord God, what would God be in Hebrew? Jehovah, right, Adonai would be Lord there. Uh, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, uh, my servants shall eat, uh, but ye shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be ashamed. Uh, back and forth, the, the repentant people who would serve the Lord be blessed physically and spiritually. Those who refuse will not be blessed uh, physically or spiritually. Um, Dr. Sorensen, I read a lot, refer to a lot. Um, he's been here at our church. By the way, he plans to be here with us again this coming March uh, for several days. We'll give you more information about that as we get closer. Uh, he notes that uh, verse 13, in context... Um, context established by reference to the Gentiles back in in verse 1. Verse 13 may apply specifically to repentant Gentiles versus unrepentant Jews. Well, that's an interesting thought. Could be the case. Uh, If if you say, well, the context established by verse 1 kind of carries throughout. Could be the case. Uh, What ultimately is the case, as we understand, Brother Ray, anyone regardless of whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you repent, get right with the Lord, come to Christ, you can expect to be blessed. Uh, whereas those who refuse to get right with the Lord can't expect judgment. We understand that. Verse 14, behold, uh, my servants shall sing for joy of heart. That sounds like a blessing. But ye, unrepentant, uh, shall cry for sorrow of heart. Uh, so there's joy of heart versus sorrow of heart. There's singing versus crying. Uh, and shall howl for vexation of spirit. That's strong language. Uh, That's strong language. Verse 15, ye shall leave your name for a curse unto my chosen, uh, for the Lord God, same construction, Zach, shall slay thee uh, and call his servants by another name. That's very interesting, uh, this idea of of names, Um, the Jewish name. Brother Ray, is it not true that over time in, in history, uh, the word Jew, it sound, it, even today, it sounds like a slur to us when we say it, right? Because it's been used as a slur uh, throughout history, those Jews, right? And so we, I mean, how, how painful that must be for Lord to hear it used that way. Um, I, I don't even like to say the, I, you hear me generally say Jewish people because it sounds less like a slur. Uh, the, the, the name of the people would become a slur, a curse. Uh, and Isaiah prophesied that, sure enough, that, that has been fulfilled, that uh, the, the world has rejected these people and taken their name as a slur. Uh, that's not a good thing. Verse 16, that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. Our God is a God of truth. Uh, and he that sweareth in earth shall swear by the God of truth. Our God is a God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten and because uh, they are hid from mine eyes. So uh, in the face of all this, uh, the Lord has Isaiah to prophesy, hey, there will be a time uh, when the, the God of truth will, he will graciously forget your sin. He, he will graciously turn from your sin and uh, your troubles will, will be forgotten. You, you can look forward to a time of blessing. Of course, Brother Ray, that's, that's made possible by Christ who would come, 
and now who has come, uh, and so the Lord is able to now overlook the sins of the repentant. Uh, praise God for that. Verse 17 is interesting. We'll go, um, probably can't uh, finish up, but let's, let's just see verse 17. Maybe, maybe we'll stop here. Um, verse 17, for behold, uh, I create new heavens and a new earth. Uh, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So um, as the sin of the people would graciously be forgotten of the Lord, ultimately covered by the blood uh, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the unredeemed creation will ultimately be left behind uh, and forgotten. There, we know that the creation will be largely redeemed in the millennium, changed in many ways, but that ultimately, at the end of the millennium, after the millennium, uh, Lord promises a new heaven and a new earth, which is not heaven, uh, uh, not the current heaven. It is not the future restored earth of the millennium. It is a new heaven <laughs> and a new earth, uh, an absolutely perfect, perfect places, a perfect place that will become the place of our ultimate eternity. And all the blessings that will come with that for people who repent, turn to Christ, place their faith in him. We'll stop there for time's sake and uh, come back there next Sunday, Lord willing. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you, Lord, for um, these passages. Thank you for the book of Isaiah. Uh, Lord, we're reminded again this morning that sin has consequences. Um, Lord, we're reminded again this morning that you have made one way of escape from those consequences, faith uh, in the Messiah who would come uh, and in the Messiah who has now come. And Lord, thank you so much for uh, the certainty of our salvation. Lord, thank you so much for the certainty of the blessings that you've promised to Jewish people and to Gentile people. Uh, who come to faith in Lord Jesus Christ. Father, pray today that you help us never lose sight of present and future blessings. Lord, when we're discouraged, help us to turn to you and focus on the blessings that we enjoy today and the hope, the certain hope of blessings that we will enjoy in the future. Lord, help us to be the most hopeful people, uh, not a people who are discouraged, but a people who are greatly encouraged by thy words. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much uh, for being here this morning. Now I'm going to go and pick up dad for church. I'll be back soon. <laughs> God still says.